Tell me about gun uh, games. <laughs> no, I don't know why. I don't know. Every time I type, I want to type hungy games. And I'm a little bit dyslexic, so I just started typing gunky games into IMTV. <laughs> oh my gosh. Hey everyone, welcome to Adapted for Your Viewing. My name is David and I watch too many movies. And my name is Amanda and I read too many books. We are brother and sister and this is our podcast for nerds where we talk too much about movies and the books they are based on and tell you which one is worth consuming. Uh-huh. And today we will be starting a whole new mini-series covering the entire Hunger Game series in anticipation of the new prequel book, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. What a ridiculous name. I, this is the first time I've had to say that Ooh, name out boy. loud. Man. <laughs> this week will be our first week, and we will be covering the first installment, The Hunger Games, including mm-hmm. the 2008 book by Suzanne Collins and the 2012 movie directed by Gary Ross. Welcome, welcome. The time has come to select one courageous young man and woman for the honor of representing District 12 in the 74th annual Hunger Games. It's your first year, Prim. Your name's only been in there once. They're not going to pick you. Primrose Everdeen. Prim! I volunteer! I volunteer as tribute! If you are unfamiliar, don't worry. We'll be doing a spoiler-free chat for the first half of our episode. And if you are familiar or you don't really care about spoilers on this particular book and movie combo, since everyone has seen and or read it at this point, please stick around. So real quick, we'll be giving you a brief summary on the story. Uh, so Hunger, Game is, Hunger Games is all about uh, a future dystopian version of the U.S. called Panem. Uh, where the country is split into 12 districts, not including the mysterious exploded 13th district, uh, that are kept in line each year by sending one random boy and girl between the ages of 12 and 18 to the capital to fight to the death in the Hunger Games. What? When our story starts, uh, Primrose Everdeen's name is drawn, and her older sister, our protagonist, Katniss Everdeen, volunteers as uh, the district's, district's tribute to fight in the Hunger Games. And so she's sent to the Capitol, has some lovey-dovey stuff happen, uh, fights to the death, and somehow, you know, some interesting stuff happens at the end. We're not going to spoil it. Mm, it's a trilogy. I wonder if she lives. <laughs> I wonder if she'll be around at the end. You'll have to read to find out. So, David, what was your first experience with The Hunger Games? So, I remember this came out right when I was actually going into high school. It came out that year, and it was a nice part... dating yourself right there. I mean, I, I don't think anyone's <laughs> very surprised by this, you know? Uh but it was a part of my summer reading list. And I was looking at the books on that list. And let me tell you, I did not want to read Shakespeare. I did not want to read 1984. <laughs> and I was not ready to read uh, uh, um, Brand New World. All of those things sounded super lame. So what did I get? Ah, New Age dystopian with the Hunger Games. And that is I what I chose I definitely would have chosen the Hunger Games over all those, yeah. Yeah, and also, being in eighth grade, it sounded like the coolest premise to a book ever. For sure, yeah. Yeah, so that was my first experience. How about you? I read this uh, probably when it first came out. And like you, I was instantly captured by the Greek references and the cool premise. And so I was on board... Uh, it was the age of dystopia in 20, 2008. And so I was totally on board for it. I was reading everything coming out at that time. And Hunger Games was a super well-written top contender. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I remember I went to the midnight showing of this movie Gee, when it really? came out with, uh-huh, with my friends in college. And we stayed up all night for it. And we went to a theater – Uh, near their college town, where every single theater was playing Hunger Games, and it was sold out. Yeah, and we had to, like, wait in lines out the door. This was before um, 
assigned seating in movies. And it was extremely fun. And I have no regrets. It was a good time. I remember not having the greatest movie experience. I can't remember why. I think it was because I saw it with my now ex-girlfriend. And Mm. she would not stop talking about how much she loved the actor (laughs) who played PETA. And it didn't make me (laughs) jealous. I just like, Mm. I thought PETA was lame. Like really lame. (laughs) So you're starting to question her, um, her taste. That's when doubts started, yes. Yeah, I can understand that. I do remember, I mean, this is a really long movie, and I was probably watching it at like 2 o'clock in the morning. So I do remember being very sleepy watching it, but very happy that it, st- it stuck so true to the book. And something to remember, this came out in the height of the Lionsgate adaptation era, era yeah. where it was like the Twilight series was probably coming to an end, yes. if not around that area. Yes. Uh, and era. so was... Uh, um, so as Harry Potter was wrapping up. Yeah. So it was like teen novel like adaptation, uh, like big deals. You know? Yeah. It was probably the last teen novel adaptation that did really, really well. That people wanted to see. That yeah. people really wanted to see. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but tell me some facts about the book. Yeah. Uh, this is a uh, real popular book series. What? In case you, yeah, if you guys It's didn't almost know. like we purposely did this because <laughs> of that. Uh, in 2012, uh, when the, when the movie came out, right? Yeah. That's when the movie right about that. Yeah. 2012 Uh, movie to, uh, 2008 book. Yeah. Uh, Amazon announced that it was its top seller, even above the Harry Potter books. Uh, and most, and the, the Kindle numbers, um, it held the most highlights. You know, you can highlight something in Kindle. Mm -hmm. The like top 100 highlights, there was a very ridiculously large percentage of those highlights belonging to Hunger Games books. People so like people, their murder. Freaking, people loved these books. People like murder way more than magic. That's all you're <laughs> telling me. It kind of. It has been sold <laughs> in 56 territories and in 51 languages, which is just wild. Uh, the BBC News listed it, the Hunger Games on its list of the top 100 most influential novels. Um, and so, yeah, people like super, super love this, this stuff. Um, I know it's popular because people compare our world today as a couple steps away from the Hunger Games. So that's when you know it's popular when people are like, yeah, we're, we're almost there. The, the references has not stopped. They have only grown more over time. Exactly. I did have, so I had a couple of random, really funny facts. Uh Uh-huh. Um, Suzanne Collins, the author of the series, uh, worked on several shows for Nickelodeon before starting her writing career for book series, including Clarissa Explains It All, The Mystery Files of Shelby Woo, and Little Bear, all things that were played almost nonstop in the Wingard house. So we have been shaped much longer than we realized by Suzanne Collins. She is the invisible hand in our family, isn't she? She really is. Yeah. Uh, and then this I thought was so funny. I just wrote down the entire quote from this article I found. Okay, let me and I'm just going to read it verbatim because it cracked me up. So in 2014, a U.S. summer camp hosted by the Country Day School in Largo, Florida, offered, Florida, offered children the chance to participate in a real-life version of the Hunger Games. To be fair to the parents who happily sent their offspring, the final death match was supposed to be a relatively tame flag-collecting contest – but in an article published in the Tampa Bay Times, writer Lisa, Lisa Gardner reported on how some of the kids were getting a little too into the spirit <laughs> of things, exchanging threats such as, I will probably kill you first, and I may stab you. <laughs> <laughs> the article also reported injuries and fighting, with one boy being knocked down and kicked by a group of others. The camp was swiftly closed down. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, hear me out. Maybe <laughs> they shouldn't have a summer camp based on the a death game. Yes. Uh, I think like PUBG is probably the best inspiration that came out of this, where we're all just fighting to the death in a video game and not in real life. But I love that Florida was like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to try and do this the real deal. Send your kids to the Hunger Games camp oh 2014. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's you made a good point worth noting, which is like it's crazy to think about that 
kind of the Hunger Games and to a bigger extent, extent Battle Royale, which yeah. this movie borrows a lot of its premise. A whole lot. A whole yeah. lot, which one day I'm yeah. going to convince you to do because I do love that movie and it is based on a book. Mm. Uh, but maybe we should put a pause on child death for a little bit <laughs> after the series. Um, but it pretty much spawned an entire series of games that were trying to recreate the Hunger Games experience, which shows how like yeah. weird and like sick the fascination is with this premise. Yeah, yeah it's kind of crazy. You want to hit us with some movie facts? Yeah. So like mine are more like fun and lighthearted. Uh, no more. Uh, mine are pretty mm, fun. <laughs> yeah, mine are pretty fun. So um. First, and what I thought was like hilarious because this is Jennifer Lawrence's like breakout role. This is the thing that yeah. put her on the map. And what I think is so funny is that on set they had a swear jar. And <laughs> Gary Ross said that on set, Jennifer Lawrence did more than half of the swear jar. She that was not swearing in all of her outtakes. <laughs> and I want to see those outtakes so bad. Yeah. I don't think they'll release them because this is definitely a movie for the tweens. But yeah, that's pretty hilarious. I mean, I she has such like if you ever see her uh, like interviews, especially when she does like the press interviews, like late in the day, if they get her, she'll just yeah. start swearing and say random things. She she goes yeah. off the rails very easily. It's very entertaining. This is what I found. OK, I was so shocked by this when I read it. OK. Okay. Wes Bentley, the guy who played uh, Seneca, which is a new character for the movie. Okay. If you have yeah, seen his the game beard. Master. Yeah, the game master. Okay. If you see his beard in the movie, you'll see that it is one of the most ridiculous things you have ever seen on a human's face because it is shaped to be like a flame. Okay. Yeah. Uh, apparently, it was not created from a Applied pieces or extra hair. It was That's his wild. own beard. This was his actual beard that they that shaped. That dude can into grow it. a a well trimmed beard. Good, I, good job. It's insane. Like props to him for having such a great beard, but also. That's crazy because I look at it and I think it's CGI and ridiculous. I think it's the best movie beard that's ever been gifted ever. I um, mean, it is a beard that has gone down in history and has inspired many disgusting replicas of disgusting disgusting uh cosplay <laughs> yes but apparently he would just like walk around his local target and like go to places and still having his ridiculous beard yeah do you know uh it was filmed in north carolina not very far from where i am right now nice so it could have been my target he was walking you around could have been you could have saw it yeah missed, missed yeah. a chance <laughs> uh now there <laughs> There is one thing that I have here, and it's mostly uh, just like a fun fact. And that is like Gary Ross, the dude who directed this movie, I think is the most, oh, that guy, director you will ever yeah. hear of in your life. He did Seabiscuit. He did mm -hmm. Pleasantville. Mm -hmm. uh, he worked on um, uh, Ocean's 8, yeah. the, the female remake. It is like the most, oh, that guy, director ever. Yeah. None of his movies correlate with each other. I do feel like, though, I feel like they have a similar feel to them, if that makes sense. I don't see a s similar feel I at do. all. Okay, but go on. Go on with your fact. Yeah. Uh, he also uh, really wanted to use a lot of shaky cam in this movie. He said he wanted to bring cool. urgency to it. Uh, I highly disagree on that choice, but, you know, <laughs> each his own. <laughs> but let's... Uh, Let's dive straight into the story since we're already getting into some shaky cam. So, Amanda, what do you think of the story of the Hungry Games? Yeah, I think it would be really difficult to come out the gate talking about the Hungry Games and not immediately sing its praises. Because at the end of the day, you know, it's in a genre that doesn't get a lot of love. And it's done it really well. It's done it in a way that's captured a lot of attention. The book is like a breeze to read through. It's fun and exciting. Uh, so I think the story itself is super solid. Um, I'm here for Panem. I think it's a cool idea to have essentially like a boil down United, like worst case scenario, United States, where our states aren't allowed to talk to each other and are in constant competition with each other. That feels slightly more believable nowadays. <laughs> um, and this crate, I am also a huge fan of Greek mythology. And this is um, 
inspired by the story of the Minotaur where uh, cities had to give up two of their children to be eaten by the Minotaur every year to for their subjugation. So I like where the inspiration came from. I think she does a fun – she focuses on the right things. I'm interested in Katniss from the beginning of the book to the end of the book. I'm rooting for her. Uh, and who doesn't love a really good survival story? And this is a really good survival story in an interesting setting. Yeah, it's kind of hard not to talk about how thrilling this premise is. Like, yeah. there's a reason why everyone wanted to read this and why media references apocalyptic situations to the Hunger Games. It's yeah, it's ridiculously captivating. And the book is so easy to read. I finished it in an afternoon. Yep, it, the pacing is incredibly fast paced and you feel like you're just kind of blowing through everything. And it really did kick off this explosion of post-apocalyptic novels. Mm-hmm. Like even though in my opinion, most uh, teen post-apocalyptic novels are unbelievably blunt with their metaphors. And this move, yeah. this book is no different. You know, I'm looking at it's you, delicate, every character named after like, a flower. I mean, there's a baker <laughs> whose name is PETA. Wow. <laughs> I will never get yeah, over that I choice. Say, I would say names are not her strong points. Definitely. But I think <laughs> despite those kind of blunt metaphors, the world comes through first and yeah. foremost. A teen battle royale in a dystopian setting is is a great idea for a book. I would read that book every day. Yeah. Well, let's let's Talk more about the book. What did you enjoy about it? I I loved returning to this book. I have read it several times. I haven't, I think I've only read the sequels once a piece. And so it'll be interesting to dive in past this. Mm-hmm. But I really, really like this first book. I think even if it was a standalone, it would be a really strong book. Um, and the reason for that is because of the internal dialogue of Katniss. Katniss mm-hmm. is a super great book female character. She is. I think she she's dealing with really interesting things. She's dealing with um in in this ridiculous setting where she has to fight to her death, she's dealing with very relatable things for a woman to be dealing with. You know, she is constantly worried about her image and how she's coming off and whether or not her play acting is affecting how genuinely she is reacting to situations or if she only feels a certain way because she's been play acting the whole time. Those are all super, super interesting themes that every woman deals with in a certain setting that she falls into. So uh, I loved it. I think she's a really interesting protagonist. Um, And she goes through the way that she problem solves different situations and comes out on top at the end is super fun and interesting and it's fun to root for her. Her problem solving is in, it's like the same reason why I like The Martian, you know, it's just a ton of problem solving and I Yeah, think, it's nonstop strategy on her part and I love yeah. it. And to Colin's credit, I think the addition of The Hunger Games being a reality show is mm-hmm. really what makes it super captivating for me because you know to draw from its most obvious influence of Battle Royale, sh- this is the biggest change to that sort of formula is having it be a reality show where everyone sort of has to play a certain part. And this it's came also like out- a teen reality show, which yeah. is much different. Yeah. And it came out at a time where where reality shows were at it, their height. And yeah. so all of the aspects of having to get sponsors about having to play act things about having to create storylines and, and not just survive, but also captivate an audience because your literal life depends on it Mm -hmm. is really interesting. And those were like my favorite parts of the book is when she had to juggle the act of survival and the act of pleasing people. And it's, that is what makes you go through this book so quickly. Uh, so if those are your favorite parts of the book, what are your least favorite parts of the book? I will if say on any. on reread, I didn't like most of the other characters. Yeah. <laughs> and it, they do suffer a little bit, yeah. <laughs> and it's not necessarily because um, they aren't interesting. It's that the book is so internalized with Katniss that all these other characters just aren't as interesting. Like her mom mm-hmm. and her sister – 
like they're they have some stuff in the beginning but especially her sister for as much as like uh she's a, a motivating fatner factor for katniss we spend zero time with her yeah to find yeah. out like why should we really like this girl besides the fact that she's your sister um yeah i will and- say because katniss is a very um oblivious character which is interesting because that's part of what she tries to grow in and overcome to survive the hunger games but because of that she like doesn't pay attention to people very well and so you kind of have to intuit a lot about other characters that you wouldn't normally have to. Yeah. And so like those characters, Gail is an incredibly important character to the series yeah. and he is barely developed. The most developed person is PETA. Um, now, personally, I don't like him as a character at all, but I under I, I understand his place in the story. I disagree but i think we'll have to talk about him in our spoiler section. all right we'll save that for the spoiler section yeah yeah i on reread initially when i read it and especially while watching the movie i was like why this guy katniss why (laughs) but on reread um i think pita plays a much more important role in the story and i don't think that the story can exist without him so I will go to bat for PETA this one time. But All right. We're going to have a, a PETA, v, good PETA <laughs> v bad PETA in the spoiler I will, section. I will say I really hated his dyed hair, though. In the oh, movie. my gosh. I think half <laughs> of it is just the actor. Uh, what's his name? Um, yeah, he did not have a good face, unfortunately. He did not. Josh Hutcherson. Man, he, he, he did face. not and have a, a good, career after this I like Josh, Josh Hutcherson. I think he's a good actor, but he he had some bad face direction in this movie. Yeah, well, let's jump into the movie then. You know, yeah. what uh, What are some thoughts on the movie for you? I was surprised because I think when I saw the movie, I think this is maybe only the second time I've seen the movie. I think I, I think just so saw too. it one time. Yeah. Um, I don't know that I re- reread the book right beforehand. I was shocked at what, especially because we've been doing this for a while now, we've seen so many different adaptations. This is basically just the book on screen. Yeah, and I was kind of surprised so. by that. They didn't take, in my opinion, enough liberties um, because so much of the book is internal. We spend a lot of time just like on Jennifer Lawrence's face. And there's only so many times we can just sit on her face before we're like, okay, something has to happen in the story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they do make a few more characters. They do a few more shots that kind of show you the outside world. Mm-hmm. But it it is tough to adapt something that is so focused on a single character. They kind of move away from that in the other books. But in this movie, it is so focused on Jennifer Lawrence. Now, I will say, yeah. I will push back. I think her performance with what she was given is actually really good. Uh, I know. Tell oh. me why you disagree with that. I there was so many times when the camera lingered on her face and I was like, react, Jennifer, give us a reaction. And she just sat there with like this unemotional face. And I think it's because the character is constantly trying to control herself and like Uh failing to. So I wanted to see like that struggle a bit more. And I know Jennifer Lawrence is a good, she's a great actress. So Uh I don't know if they just like weren't telling her what like she was never like there were so many times when something was revealed and it was on her face and it her face looked exactly the same as it always looked. <laughs> She's very pretty, but she wasn't doing anything. So what you're saying is that Academy Award winner Jennifer Lawrence did terrible in this movie, Amanda. I'm saying that she maybe <laughs> needed a little bit more direction because the direction she got was stoic and she stayed stoic for the entire <laughs> movie (laughs) okay fair enough i will say the other performances in this movie certain characters uh i did really like i do have a favorite so like one someone who i think did pretty well for what he was giving considering uh the role in the book is a lot worse is is woody harrelson as woody harrelson really did a really good job yeah yes he for his character in the book had a lot less involvement than Mm -hmm. I remember. And because the movie has the freedom to go outside of the games, he got to do a lot more. And so I think they expanded his character real well. He did a great job. 
I think the addition of the game master was an interesting character and yeah. gave us the best beard in history, which is mm-hmm. why I love him so much. And then the best character, Amanda, who's the best character? Uh, I know who you want me to say, but say I'm going to have to <laughs> say it. Come on, just but say it. I teed that I up don't... for you. Amanda, I teed okay. it. Amanda, obviously, I gave you, I put it over the plate. Arguing with me. Obviously, Stanley Tucci is the best character. Obviously. Thank you. Um, his performance as Caesar Flickerman was endlessly entertaining. Um, I totally bought him as like the darling of Pan Am. I would have loved him too and watched him MC the horrible Hunger Games every year too from my hole in the wall. Yeah, he somehow he somehow made me feel okay with the terrible things they were doing, which is such yeah. a tribute to how good he is. Yeah, he was fantastic. His giant teeth and blue hair, I loved. Every Yeah, every time they cut to him, I was like, oh, Stanley Tucci, I'm so glad you're in this movie. Okay, Amanda, so tell me the wrong answer. <laughs> the wrong answer is... Uh, I love Donald Sutherland as Snow. He was so good. I love that they added more scenes with him. Um, I think, first of all, it needed to cut in between the other stuff that was happening because it was getting kind of boring. But it was really great having him. He's so scary from like the first time you see mm-hmm. him. And I'm just excited for more Snow in the future. Yeah, he is really good. He's also the basis of this prequel book coming up. So, yeah, so we'll, we'll see. see. <laughs> you can see Amanda and I's super enthusiasm for this. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if I want a ton of backstory on Snow, but dang, Donald Sutherland really nailed him. He does really kill it. I will say, he like kill it. the the books needed like a a villain to really mm-hmm. point at. And they were really lacking that because the villain was like society, man. But in the movie, it he was the face of it and he did a fantastic job. Yeah, he was I think super scary and really good. All in all, like for me, like stepping back, this is a Lionsgate picture, which for the most part, I hate all of them. I hate almost <laughs> all of them. There isn't like a lot of Lionsgate movies that I'm like, oh, this is great. Mm-hmm. I think almost all of their adaptations are complete trash, which is why... I'm always scared to look at any of their adaptations. But like Dang, for the okay. most part, I think this movie was, you know, pretty well done. And I think that mostly I has think... to do with its strictness to the source material. I I think it's okay too, but I think it's okay for different reasons. Um, I was really bored halfway through it. And I never felt bored in the in the book. And I think it's because the pacing is really off. Um the the midway point of the book is um is a certain character's death another uh tribute that Katniss teams up with um and in the movie that doesn't happen until almost the 2 hour mark and yeah. so it really like Katniss's um motivation doesn't change fast enough cuz that's really the point in the book where she's like screw the capital i'm going to screw them over no matter what i'll go out i'll go out punching basically whereas before she was just trying to survive and in the movie it just it happens so late in the movie that it really drags and so i think as much as i love seeing the direct adaptation um and i think a lot of book nerds always want to see every single scene put onto the screen uh i really wish there would have it would have been put in the hands of somebody a little bit more confident because i think the acting 100 percent there but I think the story needed to be edited a little bit better. Um, some of the internal stuff needed to be brought out, uh, whether that was just Katniss talking or having better reactions or talking to herself even. That would have been nice. Yeah. Um, just any of that because there's this whole intrigue in the story where Hamish is working with PETA and um, they're kind of conspiring to make sure that Katniss wins. And that's a through line throughout the book and you don't really catch it almost at all in Mm -hmm. the movie you have to kind of know it's already there in order to know it's there which is not great storytelling so as much as i did enjoy i do enjoy the movie 100 percent enjoy the book um i wish some of the writing and the effects were better in the movie (laughs) okay the effects were pretty awful well we'll go into detail We'll go into detail in the spoiler section because I yeah. do have some thoughts yeah, on that. Yeah, for sure. So, Amanda, what is your 
uh, recommendation. Do you recommend people watching this movie? Hmm. I think that's tricky because I think I think that if you watch the movie first, you'll be like, huh, this is interesting. And then read the book, be like, oh, dang, this is really good. Um, but if you do it the other way around, like what we did, I think you'll be like, oh, I should just spend this time reading the book again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's fun. Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't bust down the doors to go and uh, rent this movie, though. Uh, I would I would sort of agree with that. I think that yeah. the movie, I think <laughs> maybe it just says more about what my expectations are for the movie that I expected yeah, it to be a trash fire <laughs> yeah, because I just hadn't seen it in a while. So I think it says more to my expectations that I think that the movie is good. But if you were to skip it, I wouldn't be surprised I wouldn't by be that mad. because yeah. there isn't anything this adds besides Stanley Tucci and the best beard in movie history. True. So, I mean, if you want to show up for the actors, there's some really beloved actors. We didn't even mention Elizabeth Banks, who oh really gosh. kills it in it. She's incredible. She's very, very good in it. So if you want to show up for some very good actors, I say, heck yeah, go for it. Otherwise, meh. Meh. Yeah. Meh. All right. So book is a absolutely go for it. Movie yeah. is meh. Your choice. Meh. Yeah. Meh. Uh, so let's talk about why in our spoiler section. And so it was decreed that each year the 12 districts of Pan Am shall offer up in tribute one young man and woman between the ages of 12 and 18 to be trained in the art of survival and to be prepared to fight to the death. This is the time to show them everything. Make sure they remember you. Pause. Why does the Hunger Games not have a talent portion? That's kind of surprising, isn't it? Like, why would they to, have, like... I'm going to talk about that a lot in my nitpicks, actually, so... Okay, fine. All right, so let's talk spoilers. David, what was your... What were the most jarring or surprising changes that you encountered while enjoying this adaptation? So, like, there really isn't many, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> I, I yeah. do have some, which is basically them adding outside perspective. Like, the biggest thing for me was, like, cutting to snow, cutting to the game masters, and having them mm -hmm. have a face helped a lot. Uh, yeah. I think, actually, a scene that I was I forgot was in the movie, and I ended up really enjoying it was after Rue's death, you see a riot in district 11 happen. Yeah. And it, I think, although it is not a super important scene and although True. it is pretty forgettable, I think in terms of the aspect of building this world into a series and not a singular For movie, sure. it is incredibly important to show. Well, and I think spoilers for the second book, you find out that that, does happen that that riot yeah. did happen and so instead of finding out about it in the second movie you find out about it in the first movie so i kind of support that i appreciated moving away from katniss's perspective sure. every once in a while because yeah, so it the movie in terms its pacing was a bit rough but i think it would have been terrible if we just constantly focused on katniss yeah uh so is there any way that you would change the story if you could <sighs> so like I see your one note and I believe this is what we were going to argue about. So like here's those. the thing. <laughs> I I just don't like PETA as a character and I think I here's why. Okay, here's why. It's because he is the most oblivious character. I understand mm -hmm. why he's in this book. I understand his role and I love everything. I think my I think my problem with him isn't necessarily the actions he takes. I think mm -hmm. it's the fact that he's so oblivious in that. I just hate the love triangle. Yeah. I would push back against that a little bit. Cause please, I think please push back. Okay. So yes, there is a certain element where he is very oblivious, which is that at the end of this story, Katniss is like, Oh, thank God we can stop pretending to be in love now. And he's like, wait, what? what? <laughs> like, how did he not pick up on anything? Like, <laughs> Did Hamish not explain to him things? They were in meetings when they talked yeah. about this being a storyline together. I feel I feel a little bit like that was added in 
as soon as Suzanne Collins found out that she could make this into a trilogy and wanted to have some conflict going to the next one. Because the end of chapter, the end of book PETA does not quite make sense for the PETA that was happening, in my opinion, for the rest of the book. Because in the rest of the book, he's very self-aware that he's not the yes. strongest candidate. Um, that there's a much better chance of Katniss winning. He has some very deep affection for Katniss. And so he's going to do his best to make her look good and to help her get sponsors when she is unable to do it for herself. So up until like kind of the end, he is the most aware character. He understands yeah. the game a little bit better than Katniss. And here is why I had I had gray colored glasses on PETA coming into this this revisiting of this adaptation because I did not like PETA either. In um in the books, I'm pretty sure I didn't want Katniss to end up with anybody. I didn't like the love triangle. I didn't think it made sense for her. Um, but I understand the appeal of having a love triangle in this type of story. In the movies especially, um, you know, the other guy's a Hemsworth, so it's really hard to believe that. <laughs> Yeah, at some point, she won't be falling in love with him. At some point, she won't be falling in love with him. Um, and I think if I remember the movies, it, it made it feel like that was really where her romance was. And in the book, it's a lot more ambiguous of where her affections lie or even if she has any affections for either of them. Um, and I will say on the reread, I appreciated Peta's character actually a lot more. Um, because it's it's because he is unwilling to he is unwilling to become cruel in these games and to change who he is in these games. Like he's much more willing to give himself up and self sacrifice himself. Um, that they can that's what changes Katniss's mind throughout it because basically she's ready to kill or be killed the entire time. And then when it comes down to her having to kill Peta, it's on top of her being mad at the Capitol, but also because of the affection that she's, she has for Peta and his unwillingness to kill her, that she decides to kill, to just commit suicide together. And that's yeah. what kind of wins them the game. And so I will say that like Peta is the, the character that brings about the most change in the story because the Katniss at the beginning of the story would have just murdered Peta in cold blood. Oh, 100%. <laughs> yeah. And here's the thing. Everything you just said, totally agree with you. And those were the things that I actually really did enjoy about his character was his life. And, and I think that's a refreshing, it's a refreshing type of character and, to be honest, a refreshing type of love interest who's just a kind-hearted, almost to a fault, unfortunately, in a dystopian novel, um, person to take down this terrible, cruel you know, event that they have to go through every single year. Yeah. So I like the idea of him being the hero character. I don't know. I don't know if that's translated very well into the movie. And I don't know if it's translated super well in the book either, because Katniss is just like, Oh, should I make out with him or not? <laughs> well, that's the thing is that like, I think the reason why I get so frustrated is because he has all these good qualities about him that you yeah. just went into great detail on why he's great and why he's good at moving the story around. However, at the end of the novel, he becomes an absolute idiot who is completely kind of, oblivious. Yeah. And like, I just like can't accept that into my mind. And to me, it feels like a compromise of the character to further a love triangle yeah. that didn't need to be there. Like the reasons why I love the Hunger Games is the world, the universe mm -hmm. and the politics within it. Mm -hmm. It is not a love triangle. And so I will I will also I say it's don't very it, like it. It's it's very hard to take him seriously when he has painted his face into a rock. And that's how we see them in the one scene. It's yeah. very it's very hard to and he's just like, Yeah, I learned this because I bake cakes. You know, cakes in our third world country of a district, cakes. It's a wild cakes jump that we it, send. It's the it's a strange thing to it's do. It's a wild <laughs> jump of logic to be like, it's I make weird. I make beautiful frosting, which means that I can be fully <laughs> camouflaged into a tree. Well, also, it's not very good camouflage because it looked like it took a lot of time to do. Yeah. And to, how make, to make his face look like a fake rock. <laughs> it is. 
everything about like his skills are so stupid and also his name is Peta. i can't yeah. get over how horrible is a that pretty is. bad name yeah that's pretty bad <sighs> okay it sounds like we're getting into it so let's let's okay. just talk about nitpicks huh yeah okay you talk about nitpicks because i have a long nitpick no, no no i just talked for a long time you talk okay Let's talk about how terrible this CGI is. So Ooh, I'm gonna give so I'm gonna give my worst example of it, okay? And that is in the book, there is this very important scene that literally sets up the entire characters for the capital, at least their appearance. And that is they march into this like ceremony and yeah. they are uh like designer or whoever. Uh, uh, sets them on fire in these fake flames and it's gorgeous and it's supposed to be big yeah. and awesome in the yeah. movie it's they're just slightly lit on fire it looks like the yeah. fakest fire you've ever seen and yes. it looks like a tiny little blowtorch behind their shoulders it yeah. looked so it awful. also looks like it also looks like they're going through like the cities from the from star wars the phantom menace somehow too it like they looks, just borrowed that CGI. <laughs> it's so terrible. Which and is crazy again, because that was like 10 years before this. Yeah, it's Lionsgate, Manda. I don't know it's if you forgot <laughs> Lionsgate. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Right, right, okay, right. Lionsgate. They, it's like there are parts in the movie where like Lionsgate is like, ooh, ooh, can I reek my little head and ruin this for a little bit? It's pretty bad. The effects are really, really bad. It's Especially so for terrible. something where it should be almost exclusively practical effects. Everything looks really bad and fake. Here's the thing is like making realistic fire is actually like it takes time to do. But in terms of like the CGI world, it's they figured impossible. this out. They figured this out like a while ago. So yeah. it shouldn't be that difficult to do. Yeah, it's it's real bad because then she has like a dress where when she twirls around it's supposed to look like flames are crawling up her dress, and it sucks. Looks everyone's like, a like sparkler. I'm like, aren't you guys living in the future? <laughs> you guys have, like, flying cars. And Is this the only TV you're allowed to watch in the future? Is that why you guys are so excited? Because this sucks. What if it is the only TV? It might be the only TV. Okay, so, so my nitpick is that... Is the Hunger Games themselves. They are... They are bad television. As somebody yeah. as somebody who has watched much television, especially much Netflix reality television, I will say I would be so freaking bored. Even if people were literally murdering each other on the screen, I would be so bored watching this. It ha like the Hunger Games last for like weeks, like a very long time. Mm -hmm. And they said in the beginning, most people die of exposure. So like that sucks. Who wants to mm -hmm. like just watch people just like starve and die on a screen that sucks um and then on top of it like you're just watching people like wander a forest for most of the time like it's not even like like i like it's bad television because most reality television takes a break to either um introduce like some new rules and mm -hmm. you have everybody reacting to it or you spend time with each person in a talking head. These people literally talk to the audience for three minutes in their single interview with um, with our favorite Stanley Tucci. And then you they never talk again. Mm -hmm. That's bad television. It's that's, so boring. That's so boring. Like, I think that's why I got so bored in the movie was because it was boring. And thank <laughs> God that they, like, cut away to, you know, what was going on behind the scenes. But poor people at home don't get that. The poor no, people just Pan Am just have to watch people sleep. It's so and it's eat squirrels. It's so boring. <laughs> yeah, I will say uh, to branch off of the boring aspect, one thing from the book upon rereading, I noticed way too much. And yeah. I get it. The book is called The Hunger Games, but like ninety percent of what they're doing is just looking for food. Yes. I heard there are like so many chapters it's where Katniss is just like, yeah. I set up a track to kill a squirrel. I shot a squirrel. I ate a squirrel. 
I made some yeah. squirrel stew. I looked at yeah. a squirrel. I said hi to the squirrel. I killed the yeah. squirrel. Like even it's nonstop. even when she's in the even when she's in the capital, she's just talking about what she's eating almost exclusively. It was it was really like in the start <laughs> didn't bother me that much. Toward yeah. the end, like I was like it's a little ridiculous. It's like well, it's also, like the book equivalent of the bathroom meter in Sims. Yeah. It's like I understand why the Sims has a bathroom meter because right. it's a simulation. They need to, they need to pee. I don't really need that though. That's not the <laughs> that's not the reason I'm playing The Sims is to watch them pee. Just yeah. like the reason I'm reading The Hunger Games is not to hear about the tenth squirrel she killed. Yes. And I will say the Hunger Games have probably, you know, as smart as the capital is, it's this this is the 74th annual Hunger Games. So they've been doing this for almost a century. You'd think they would have a better PR person behind this mm-hmm. because they like pan the capital is just unabashed about how dystopian and authoritarian like that they actually are because they're not even like it's like we're supposed to believe in the capital and in maybe a couple of districts it's celebrated as like this super bowl essentially this like super uh-huh. gruesome super bowl why would you call it the hunger games then why not call it the super fun battle royale games or that the sounds distri- cool you could just call it the district olympics or the district olympics something- sounds cool the, yeah, like any of anything sounds cooler than the freaking Hunger Games. Like Hunger Games should be what they call it kind of like behind its back and the capital should try and be calling it something else. But it's like it's like when we went to like har- like camp the first couple of years and mm-hmm. they had everything's really spread out and you had to walk over that big hill. And instead of calling it camp, we called it fat camp because yeah. everyone got really fit because they that's what it was. I lost hill. like 20 pounds. It was great. <laughs> everybody, everybody. <laughs> You did no matter what kind of physical fitness they were in. Like, it should have been like that, like something that they joke about. Like, oh, it's not the Battle Royale super cool explosion games. It's just the Hunger Games because half the people freaking starve in it. Why would you? I feel like they're just like shoving it, shoving it in people's faces that they're like. <laughs> Rich. Yeah. It's like, it's really fu- like no one is self-aware. It's crazy. It's like, kind about of crazy. How- and I, w- I was debating. I'm like, is this book a blunt metaphor for fascist capitalism or is it a blunt metaphor for communism? I don't know. It's hard to tell. It's hard to tell. <laughs> I do like it's. It's almost funny how terrible they are to a certain extent. Like yes. one thing that I like didn't understand was included. Like she could have taken it out and I would have been a okay with it. And I don't think anyone would have missed it is the underage nudity that I guess the capital is really yeah. to. Cause they talk about how like, there's always like very like sexy costumes or lube, yeah. like who, Oh no, you might get a designer who's just going to strike you out naked. It's like, all but these, these are all children. Un- I'm like, why is it fun to have, like, I understand. Because they're, they're explicitly children. Like, they're all under 18. <laughs> That's the entertaining part in this. It is very odd, yeah. It's all, again, it's comically dystopian. It's, it's, it's supposed to be commentary on, like, fashion and, like, what we care about, but that take seems kind of strange, it being, like, at least 75 years into the future. You think they would have, like... I don't know. I feel like no like dystopian thing. Most people aren't cool with that, though. Most people aren't cool with seeing naked children on the screen. Yeah, that's very true. (laughs) So my last nitpick is such it is the definition of a nitpick. Okay. Okay. What's your what's your okay? And that is this world's obsession with the number twelve. I get it. Mm -hmm. There's twelve districts. Okay. Well, there's thirteen technically. Well, yeah, well, one blew up, so we don't talk about that one. <laughs> um, but it's it probably won't that, be, like, come up again in the future ever, so don't won't. worry about definitely it. Everybody forget about it. Definitely mm-hmm. zero foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is a point in the book and the movies where these people, all the tributes have to go, and they're given a score based on how they do in some training session for the game masters or makers or whatever. Okay, and they're given a score at the end of it. This score is one out of 12. Why? Because of 12 districts. What's wrong with 10? Yeah. One out of 12 is a stupid, stupid <laughs> number. 
Okay. It's weird that it's not one out of 13 because if it is based on districts, why wouldn't it be 13? We don't talk about 13. 13 blew up. No, right. no 13. No, don't but think But don't they wanted you to remember 13 because 13 is the one they blew up. That's why this is stupid. It's dumb. <laughs> it's arbitrary. No one understand. Listen, no, no one understands if an 8 out of 12 is good. But if I told you 7 out of 10, you have a good idea. 6 out of 10. Does this mean like all their test scores are out of 12? Maybe. So maybe it's like, oh, I got 11 out of 12 GPA woo, or grade on my test. Mm-hmm. I just want to say uh, scales. Screw you guys. I hate you. Scales out of 12 <laughs> are stupid. Got it. Noted. Um, I will have an equally nitpicky nitpick. Mm. I hate Lenny Kravitz in this movie. <laughs> I also hate Lenny Kravitz in this Every movie. time he's on the screen, I'm like, well, who let you in this movie, Lenny Kravitz? <laughs> Just like, I, like he's he so not cool. acts so hard. <laughs> like, he's just Lenny Kravitz. It's like, it's like, look at this crazy world with crazy fun people. Ooh, yeah. look at Woody Harrelson. He's got a pass. And then it's just Lenny being like, what's up? I'm Lenny. Yeah. Like, he's like, okay, I'll put on the gold eyeliner, but I'm not, I'm just going to stand around and do my own thing the whole time. Am I going to be a supportive adult for Cantonist? Or am I trying to seduce her? Because I'm Lenny Kravitz. <laughs> you won't be able to tell. And it's going to be uncomfortable. <laughs> I agree with you. I did not. I, it's just like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't like Lenny Kravitz. So, Amanda, now that we mm-hmm. have gone through this universe, I want to know the all-important question, which mm-hmm. is how long do you think you would last in the Hunger Games? You're one of 24. Mm-hmm. What What is your arbitrary 1 out of 12 rating? And how long okay. do you think you're lasting? What's your okay. strategy? Okay, let's make... Let's make a, a, a separation right now. Is this in the real world where I have to see squishy insides and actually kill people? Or is this in video game world where I have no <laughs> lasting horrible consequences and people die but don't really die? We're going to say there's no lasting consequences. Okay, great. So I can t- I can be goofier with it without being yes, like a maniac. I'd like, I'd like to have fun with this and I yeah. don't... <laughs> want people to think we're psychopaths so yes Mm -hmm. we're gonna say this is video game video game time i will say i think um i think i would be mid-range i don't think i would score very high because i can't run very far or fast so i feel like that'll be a real disadvantage right at the gate (laughs) (laughs) um but i will say i am a little bit on the stronger side and i am very good at hidey sneaky things so I feel like I could last. I could. Feel, I feel like I got a little bit of rue in me where I can. I can. I'm pretty good, Heidi. Sneaky. Okay. Heidi, sneaky. Um, and I do feel like if I have to be forced into a social situation, I can trick people into an alliance and outlast them somehow. So oh. I would give. I would give myself maybe a seven. Okay. I'll go with maybe a seven. Okay. I uh I would go out either. I here's here's my thing is if I'm in this situation. I do not want to play this game for weeks, okay? <laughs> so you're going to go out Blaze of Glory? <laughs> so, like, here's the thing. Here's the thing. The not fun part of this is surviving in the woods for a month. That's You sucks. love camping, you big dork. I you do, do love, that for fun. I do love camping. But you know what I like the most about camping? Coming home from camping. <laughs> okay. It sounds like you don't love camping then. No, 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 no. no. Because, I like camping. Because if my favorite thing about uh, going to Disneyland is coming home from Disneyland, I think that means I hate Disneyland. <laughs> I don't, but in a way, that's totally true because that's my favorite <laughs> thing to do at Disneyland is come home from it. That's so sad. <laughs> because at that point, you hate the crowds. No, here's the thing. Right. Camping is fun when there's low stakes. Camping is okay? never fun. Okay. But okay. When yeah, I have going. to go out camping and I mm-hmm. don't get bugs, sounds spray, horrible. Why right. am I there? True. You are. Unless, you do have to fight to the death for like every resource in this game. So it's not like you have your like your handy dandy backpack in the woods. If there's a backpack that just has bug spray, like I'll find my own water, I'll make my own fires, I'll do all mm-hmm. of that. I'm not dealing with these bugs, y'all. So if there's just a backpack with bug spray right at the start, golden. So I my feel strat, like I would have to find the backpack full of protein bars because I don't want to eat anything in the 
Well, that's that's why my plan is mm-hmm. if I'm lucky, I can go straight in the middle and I would go up to the sword rack and just knock it down and grab one sword. So everyone has to go and pick up the sword. And while they're bending over, I'm just going to stab them. Okay. <laughs> well, so that's my. I see, I see a million different problems jet. with that plan, right? <laughs> Here's the thing. Here's the thing. If it works, I've killed mm-hmm. most of the people and I have all the resources. If it doesn't work, I end the game early, which is really You end the game nice. immediately. And you I don't-, don't have to go camping. <laughs> that is the best way. So the best solution for camping is just don't go camping, which is pretty much my life's motto. So, I mean, I like um, camping. I'm I just don't. That. It doesn't, I like camping. Oh, I don't like. saying that, but. I don't like death camping. Uh, yeah, I mean, but like, isn't all camping simulating death camping? A little bit, yeah. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I just also like you have to poop. Bed. You have to poop in the woods. Not a big fan of that. No matter how that's how you true. I mean, <laughs> unless you really don't get those bags of protein bars, then you ain't pooping anytime soon. So, well, I mean, then you just get a uh, sky broth for making out with people. <laughs> Just make out with someone and you get sky broth. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so that will wrap us up for today. Thank you so much for listening to this, our first installment in the Hunger Games Marathon we are diving Ooh. into for this month. Uh, please subscribe so you can get automatically updated when new episodes come out at wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, we're still pretty new. So if you enjoy anything we talked about in the last hour, please, please, please leave us a review. Leave us a really long, wordy review, maybe about what your strategy would be going into the Hunger Games. You don't really have to talk about the episode or like tell people to listen to us or download or anything. Let's hear your strategy and um, we will make David read it. The longer the better. We will make David read it in a really funny accent in our last. In our See, I'm stuff. torn because I do want to hear people's <laughs> pro level strats mm-hmm. uh, on how to win, but in another place, I don't want to re- read this. Please, at all. please use as many big words as possible. And <sighs> if you have a suggestion on how you want him to read it, uh, be sure to include that in your review too. And I will peer pressure him to doing whatever we want David to do because we can do that. We can do that together, guys. Uh, do you got your review ready for today? Uh, yeah, I found it. Okay. I found it. Here are your notes for today. Okay. Just tell me. <laughs> I would like you to read this review as Stanley Tucci, Caesar Flickerman himself, having just realized that this person has won the Hunger Games. Why, why are you adding so much extra parts? Just wait. Now I got I to gotta <laughs> listen to some more Stanley Tooch real quick. Also take like, like a, just like six inches back from your mic as you yell this in, the, in a minute. Good point. <laughs> okay. I'm going to have to back up from the mic quite a lot to do this. <clears throat> <laughs> I love it. Books versus movie discussions are always fun, and this is no different. (laughs) (laughs) Listening has pointed out things that I'd forgotten or not even realized myself. I am also loving the sibling dynamic. It's like listening to myself and my brother. That's all I got. That's all, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> okay, I like. I feel like you really got to it at the end. I like that you started off as deranged uh, Santa Claus, but you really reined it? it in at the end. You're really yeah. nailing it in the end. So, Am I getting yeah. better at these, Amanda? Am I getting better? Yeah, you're getting much oh, better. Yes, <laughs> I'm so glad I'm improving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but you, <laughs> you can also find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. We are at Adapted Pod on all of those platforms. And you can send us suggestions, uh, not for a little bit. We're not going to be taking suggestions for a bit because we're going to yeah, be we doing our, we games. Yeah, we got our full plate. Mm-hmm. We got a full plate for the month of May, but feel free to look forward to them. Uh, and also thanks to Catlo for intro to, and outro music. The track that we leave with is Astoria Ditmars and you listen to more of Catloaf on Spotify. And you definitely should. It's super chill and fun. It's super chill. The opposite of the Hunger Games. The super opposite of the Hunger Games. <laughs> so we will be doing Catching Fire next. That'll yes. be coming out in two weeks for you to enjoy. And once yes. we get our hands on 
the ballad of songbirds and snakes that awful we'll be title. reading that bad boy too and maybe getting a couple guests to come and talk to us about it until then remember to always rate things out of 10 <laughs> please okay. terrible uh until next time uh you know Keep your enemies close. No, dang, I said it wrong. Until mm. next time, keep your friends close and make out with your enemies and you'll be fine in this world. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> Super gross. Until next time, remember your name has to describe what you do for a living. So for yeah, me, super explicit. My my name is Cambra. <laughs> <laughs> my name know. is Bookshe. <laughs> There you go. <laughs>